Well, we've been in a series on Colossians. I'm calling it the story of reality because really what Paul does is Paul shows us that in the gospel, in Christ, all of reality is contained. Uh, It is not only the best story out there, it is the true story that explains things like it, it explains why the world is broken. It explains why you, you see what you see when you turn on the news each night. It explains why you see what you see inside yourself, the brokenness inside. More than that, in Christ we find God's answer to the brokenness. We find that He has redeemed the world through Jesus. And that we find hope and we find our future wrapped up in all that Jesus is. And now that we've put our faith in Christ, there's a mission. We are called to go out and share the good news with the world. And that starts with the people in the cubicle next to ours or the house across the street or the person whose locker is next to ours at school. So how do we do that? How do you share the good news? Let's go to Colossians chapter 4 starting in verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That's why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Paul was under house arrest in Rome at this time. Live wisely among those who are not believers. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. So Paul is talking with his friends in Colossae about this idea, about how do you go about sharing your faith? Why is, why is this important, and how do you do this in ways that do not scare people off? It's really a passage that I think disarms a lot of our fears about evangelism, about telling someone about the Lord. For several years, we, uh, our family, we were kind of the, the go-to pet sitters for some good friends of ours. They had four dogs. And every time they went out of town, we were the ones that got called to come over and take care of that dog, to make sure they had food, make sure they had water, get them out once a day, let them stretch their legs, all of that stuff. And it was pretty routine stuff except for one thing, Fruit Loop. Okay, Fruit Loop was a border collie, one of these four dogs, and he was not so simple to take care of. He had two pills a day that he needed to take um, every day. Now, the usual tricks that can be employed to get your dog to take his or her pills, those did not work on Fruit Loop. I mean, wrapping it up in bacon or peanut butter or something like that. I mean, he knew there were pills in there, and he would eat everything except the pills every time. They couldn't be smashed up, we were told. So we were left trying to figure out how to get this dog his medicine. Now, they told us it's easy. They told us when you come in the door, the dogs will come running to you. We were told Fruit Loop loves people, um, and so all you need to do, and they showed us how, was just kind of get him and in a five-second thing, just kind of pop those pills uh, in the back of his throat and make sure he swallows those. No big deal, they said. 
except it, it, it was a big deal. Um, it, it wasn't easy. And so we would get there and we would you know, put the key in and open the front door and three out of the four dogs, yes, would come running to us and enjoyed our little visits. They wanted treats. They wanted their walks. They wanted to have their, their bowls filled with food. But Fruit Loop, on the other hand, saw us as the enemy. The only thing he knew for sure about us was that we wanted to put him in a headlock. And we wanted to force these dreaded pills down his gullet. And so Fruit Loop chose to resist. True story, by the way. When Fruit Loop heard the key in the front door, he knew it was us. And he knew that we were coming over to torture him. And so he would take off and he would hide. And that was one thing. I don't know all the things Fruit Loop was good at, but he was really good at hiding. Um, so this was a scene that would transpire and over and over uh, dozens of times as we took care of their dogs. And it was flat out crazy. Okay, I'm glad they didn't have a nanny cam there. Um, so, so we would almost go over in pairs because one person could not get the job done with Fruit Loop. So after pouring the dogs their, their food and water, the search would begin. Okay, We had no idea where he was. He had three or four favorite hiding places. Uh, we would usually start under the bed in the master bedroom, uh, uh, crammed in between the boxes and the shoes and other junk. Uh, he, would, he would get himself hidden back there sometimes. Uh, we'd find him there. Sometimes we'd find him uh, at the back of one of the closets. But we were told he had to get the pills. We were told this is kind of an issue of, of life and death. So we had to search. We had to find Fruit Loop. Um, and so sometimes it would take like 10 minutes, 15 minutes to find him. And then we would call to him. We would offer treats. Uh, we would try to bribe him from out, from under the bed. We tried that once or twice, but we learned that didn't work. Um, So usually, and and, uh, let me say this too, if you tried to reach under and grab Fruit Loop, you would get bit. And he had some razor sharp teeth, which is why we began to wear heavy leather work gloves when we would go over. Uh, So with heavy leather work gloves and a broom handle to kind of joust him, out from under the bed, um, we would try to get Fruit Loop, and it took several attempts because he was fast too. Um, and then we would get him out, and I kid you not, we would, we would wrap him up tightly in a towel, and then one person would kind of pry the jaws open and drop those pills down. Um, and this, this little Saddam Hussein Fruit Loop was hard to track down, but SEAL Team 6 uh, dabs would get him, and we would get him his medicine. So... Then, at the end, of course, we would just release him back into the wild there, and and he would disappear. Injuries were sustained, usually, not by us, or or not by the dog, rather, but by us, okay? He was always fine, Uh, maybe not psychologically, but physically he was fine. My daughter, Claudia, can confirm all this. He was kind of my lieutenant in these visits to get Fruit Loop his medicine. And uh, sometimes we couldn't find him. Sometimes he didn't get his pills, and it it appears that they were not life or death because he seemed to make it until the next day. But when our friends would come back from their trip and they would ask us how everything went, we would say, it went fine. You know, it was a little tricky with Fruit Loop, but everything was fine, and and it's all good. Um, And to this day, I'm not sure who was traumatized more. Was it the dog? Was it us? I don't know. But those words still echo in my mind. The words of those friends of ours, it's easy, they said. 
He'll come running to you. He actually likes the pills, they said. Mm. We've been pet sitters for a lot of different folks over the years, giving a lot of cats and dogs their meds, but no one was ever quite like Fruit Loop. I do believe they were telling us the truth about their border collie. I believe he came running to them. I believe it wasn't hard at all for them to give the pills. I I believe that there was not a lot of drama. There certainly weren't work gloves and a broom handle involved in the whole deal when they were giving him his medicine. Because our friends, right, they had a, what? They had a relationship with Fruit Loop. Uh, There was love between them and this dog. Uh, There was trust there. And so if you're looking for a reason, you go back and think historically, how did that happen, the gospel? How did, it, how did it spread around the Roman world so quickly, so thoroughly? It happened through relationships. It happened because no one was attacking anyone else with a broom handle and a pair of work gloves. They were sharing the gospel naturally with their friends, with their relatives in those relationships. One person talking to another about what they had found, the treasure they had found in Christ Jesus. So the good news... And I love this passage in Colossians because it's pretty clear. It's not shared through manipulation. It's not shared through coercion. It is shared friend to friend, neighbor to neighbor, person to person. And so check this out. Wherever the disciples of Jesus go and share the gospel um, with people they know and love, the Spirit of God is there. There you will find the Lord right at, in the middle of things at work. Which is why Paul tells us in this passage, it all starts with prayer. It all starts with prayer. Uh, if you want to share your faith with your friends without them running for cover, it all starts with prayer. That's that first bullet there on the outline this morning. Be prayerful. Prayer is the core habit when it comes to sharing our faith. The core habit when it comes to sharing our faith. And this is important because Paul tells us in that passage, if you pay attention, he tells us that prayer comes before you ever share your faith. Um, There's a preparation there. Uh, As you lift that person before the throne of God, their needs, their situation, their life, their family, and you invite God to work in their lives, it comes before you share the message of Jesus. Uh, It happens... Uh, prayer happens as you share it. It is part of the actual process of leading someone to Christ. And prayer comes at the end. Prayer com- if, if they decide, and they don't always do this, but if they decide to give their lives to Christ, if they decide to accept the gospel as their true story, then you celebrate in prayer. You're watchful, and Paul says you're thankful. You celebrate that. And so this is what I want you to note on the outline this morning, how prayer is, is all over all over the situation when we're sharing our faith. It it comes before. It's part of the preparation. You know, he says there in verses 2 and 3, devote yourselves to prayer. Pray. Pray that God will give us. So future tense. I'm praying. I'm preparing the soil through prayer. That God will give us many opportunities. Prayer is also the key to my proclamation. What am I going to say? How am I going to say it? How how do I talk to this person? And and how is that different from maybe sharing my faith with this person? He says, pray, verse 4, that I will proclaim the message, what? As clearly as I should. That, That God will be at work in that moment of sharing 
sharing, that it will be a clear proclamation of the true story of the gospel. And then it, it celebrates the payoff, all right? That, you know, if someone comes to the, to the Lord, there's thankfulness, Paul says in verse 2. And, and I'm prayerful about bringing that before the throne. I'm saying, thank you, God, for working in this situation, for saving this soul. But know this, prayer precedes caring, always. I mean, if you want, to, to, if you want your heart to be right... Um, pray for a person. That's why I think uh, Jesus even talks about praying for your enemies because prayer changes the spirit of your heart. It changes the condition of your heart. So prayer precedes caring. As I lift someone's needs before the throne of God, uh, I become more connected to them in their life and their challenges. Um, So prayer is part of the preparation. It's part of God preparing me. It's part of God preparing the other person and and being invited into their life. And it's part of the proclamation. Pray that I may declare the word as clearly as possible. Okay? So at some point, sharing your faith, um, a little bit snarky, sorry, but sharing your faith does actually involve sharing your faith with words. Okay? Uh, Being a good example is nice. Yeah, okay, that's, that's really great. Uh, But it's, if, if your friend has a headache, you know, just holding a bottle of aspirin up to their head... It's not going to fix their headache. Um, Headaches don't get fixed by osmosis. And we need to be examples, and we need to love people. But at some point, the gospel has to be shared with actual words. That's why Paul says that I may may speak it as clearly as possible. Um, Anyway, let's move on there. Uh, So there are natural, appropriate places in life uh, where the gospel can be shared. So write this down. Be alert. Be alert. Um, watch for doors of opportunity that the Lord will open. That's what we're praying for. And if we're praying for that, that's what we've got to be watching for, right? You know, Paul says this in verse 3, Pray that God will give us many opportunities. And speaking of prison ministry, that's what's going on here. Paul's locked up. And I love that attitude. I think God's going to give me some opportunities right here in my prison cell. Pray that that will happen. And that's our prayer, that God is going to open doors of opportunities so we'll be on the watch. Um, maybe like the conversation is going to shift. It's going to suddenly get go beyond Pinterest and go beyond fantasy football. And we're starting to talk about real life stuff. Be ready for those opportunities, which gets us to the next thing. And that's be willing. And this, I think, is where a huge breakdown is for a lot of believers. Um, they're just not willing. I don't, uh, it's going to get awkward. Think about that. Someone's eternal destiny is at stake. And I'm not going to share the good news because it might be awkward. Wow. Okay. Um, So be willing. I think this is a big one. And I would pray for my heart here too. God, make me willing. So when an opportunity presents itself, go for it, right? And Paul says this, make the most of every opportunity. Like, I don't know about you, but I find myself at times... I'm in a certain situation, a place with a certain person or people, and I start getting this little tug of war going on inside my head like, ooh, I feel like maybe God wants me to say something here or pray with this person or share a little bit of my story or share a passage from the Bible, but I'm not totally sure. I think whenever you feel that tug of war happening, go with the spirit tug, okay, instead of the awkwardness tug. Say yes. Go for it. That's what I try to do. When I feel that tug of war happening, I try to say yes to God in that moment. And so maybe it's just, hey, hey, man, have I ever gotten to share with you the story of how I became a Christian? 
Or, hey, this sounds like something maybe we could pray about. I don't, I don't know how this works in your life, but I know in my life, uh, when I pray about something, it really helps. Could I pray for you right now? I mean, something like that. It's walking through that door. It's taking that conversation to a deeper level. And Paul says, make the most of every opportunity. I mean, you've been praying for opportunities. When God opens the door, walk through it, okay? And then I like this next one. This is where we do get to the good example part or being a good person, right? It's behave, (laughs) behave, be willing, but behave. Uh, Showing the gospel precedes getting the opportunity to speak the gospel. Showing the gospel with somebody, having that relationship with somebody precedes getting to share the story of Jesus. And so Paul says, I love these words. He says, live what? Live wisely among those who are not believers. Live wisely among them. Be gracious and attractive. Um, Like contrary to what Fruit Loop thought, we actually did have his best interests at heart. It's just that our behavior seemed aggressive. (laughs) It seemed belligerent to him. It didn't seem gracious. It didn't seem attractive. It seemed repulsive. That's why he was hiding under the, under the, bedroom, uh, under the bed there, right? Um, so we have a message that is a message of love, and it is a message of grace. That's the good news. It is good news. And so our attitudes, our behaviors need to reflect that as well. They should match the love of Christ and the grace of Christ. Finally, be flexible. There is no one-size-fits-all approach to sharing the gospel. Every person is different, okay? Uh, And then he says, this is from the New King James in verse 6, he says um, that you may know how to answer who? How to answer each one. In other words, how I answer this person, how I share my faith with this person, it's, it's probably going to look a little different than how I share my faith with this person. Um, so that God will help me know, okay, how do I talk into this, speak into this life? How do I love this person? How do I share the gospel with this person? Um, everybody is a little bit different. What an insightful phrase, sharing the gospel with each one, that I would know how to do that. When we uh, moved to Rio and with that mission team, our friends there, the dream of planting a church there, really for about a year, um, we did two things. We just worked on Portuguese and worked on making friends. And there wasn't an objective there. It wasn't like, I'm not going to be your friend unless you come to church or something like that. It's that we knew, um, we understood that some of these people that God had put in our lives were going to be disciples. Not all of them, but some of them, we didn't know which ones, some of them, the Spirit of God was going to give us an opportunity to impact and to help them become disciples of Christ. And so our job was to be faithful to that calling, to be Christ's witnesses, to be his ambassadors. Um, to let people around us see the gospel and eventually hear the gospel. Um, and for some, we were going to get to be part of their lives and, 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 and in a deep, more spiritual way and help them grow in their faith. For others, we would just have this friendship and maybe we would plant some seeds 
of love, some seeds of the gospel that someone else would water someday, that, that maybe someone from another church would get to, to kind of help them with those next steps in their journey. But our job was to be faithful. Uh, a fellow missionary of ours, a single guy, um, for that first year, played a lot of soccer. <laughs> in his little neighborhood, there was, a, there was a dirt soccer field, and so he was always there playing soccer that year. And that soccer field became kind of his mission field that first year. His Portuguese wasn't good, uh, but he could join those games and make friendships there. And so he became friends with a couple of teenage boys there in the neighborhood. One of them was Rafa. Uh, one of them was Jefferson. And anyway, at some point, after months of playing soccer together and hanging out with them, he invited these two guys to come to church. Neither of them had been to church before. It was interesting. They just didn't have families that were interested in things uh, like that. And so they came. They said yes. And during Rafa's first Sunday there at the church, he decided, I need to do, I need to do this. I need Jesus in my life. And so that first Sunday, he came up to me after church and he said, hey, I need, to, I need to follow Jesus. Can I be baptized today? He's like, absolutely. So Rafa was baptized. And Jefferson shortly thereafter was put on the Lord in baptism as well. But God was on the move. And it was kind of fun to watch over the coming two or th- next two or three years. Because next thing you know, Rafa's friend, Rodrigo, was there uh, at church. Or his brother, Rodrigo, his older brother, was at church with him. And then Rodrigo became a follower of Jesus. And then their, their mom, Denise, was at church, and she became a follower of Jesus. And all of them are faithful to this day. And Jefferson, that other uh, soccer sidekick, is now the preacher there at the church in Rio, and he's led like dozens and dozens of people to the Lord. And it all started there in a very normal, non-confrontational place. It's, it started there on the soccer field. Uh, it started with with friendship. So as we close this morning, I want to ask you, will you pray for those folks at work or school or the neighbors? Will you just start lifting their names before the Father? Next time you take your dog for a walk around the neighborhood, will you just pray over those homes and over those people that are around you. God loves them. Jesus gave his life for those people. And we just start praying that God would, would prepare them, that God would be at work in their lives, that God, if you're aware of a, a situation, a health problem, a, a challenge they have, that would you pray over that? Would you pray for your own heart, that you would be ready to, to seize an opportunity, to make the most of every opportunity? Would you do that? And will you look for those God-given opportunities where you can share your faith, share, this is how I became a Christian. This is what Jesus means to me. Can we pray about that? Can we open the Bible together? Whatever that's going to look like, that you would know how to answer each one. Because we're called to be ministers of the gospel. We're called to be witnesses for Jesus. Maybe this morning it's time for you to give your life to Christ. We would love to help you with that. Or if you just need prayers, um, we'd love to pray with you over that. Maybe there's somebody sitting around you, and you can just ask them, hey, will you pray? Or come down here and pray with me or one of our shepherds this morning as we invite God to work in your life. However you need to, to do business with the Lord this morning, we would ask you to do that. 
we stand together and worship.